0: You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. God, we give you thanks for the gift of this new day, a new week, a new life, a resurrected life in you. We pray this morning that your words will not just come in word alone, but as Paul prayed, they would come in power, with full conviction and with your Holy Spirit. This is our prayer through Jesus who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Well, welcome everyone. It is good to see you. I want you to feel very welcome to First Christian of Albuquerque. I might have to introduce myself to some of you. It's it's been a little while we uh we came here 20 months ago we brought our family to albuquerque 20 months ago and uh, this this colorado boy brought my texas girl and our family here and we have come to our favorite church no joke about that at all we've served a lot of churches but this is our favorite to get to be here in this place and i want to tell you something that some things that maybe even insiders don't know about this last 12 months inside of covid This church has actually grown, grown in numbers. Our budget has grown. We've added ministers and staff. This January, we added five new groups to have a total of 15 groups for a church our size. We have a young, that's right, I said young, group of elders that are vibrant and a great group of elders who have been retired but are still serving us by teaching and leading many of those groups. Now we've had some people move, haven't we? People have moved on. But yet even the folks that have moved on because of COVID were able to say hi to. So David and Trish Moore, hello. Hello to Dave and Jan. Welcome even to visitors like uh, Enzo and Liz, who were visitors with us for a long, long time, moved to Alabama where they're now stationed with a baby. And those are just a few. Those are things that even insiders probably don't know about what life has been like for us during this pandemic. And so I want you, all of you, to feel welcome to First Christian and to know that we're a group of people that are simply committed to following Jesus. And we invite you into that life, a life of following Jesus along with us, making our way through this world, looking to our Lord and our master. You know, when when we entered COVID, our family, uh, Lizzie, was 14, and now Lizzie is 16. The birthday kind of was close there. It's only been 13 months or so of COVID, but it's been an intense time. There have been a lot of questions that have been asked. People are tired of the pandemic. They're ready to walk away from it. And folks are starting to come out. You know, as you think about reentry, there's kind of some fear of re-entering what's that going to look like? And you're probably re-entering like we are. You are still wearing your mask, you're washing your hands, keeping a bit of a distance, even getting vaccinated. Yes, I told you I got mine uh, last week and had no trouble at all with it, and I'm hearing more and more folks that are having the same. But in these times, like COVID, like even the things that were shared during our prayer request time, we ask, where is God? Even if it's not meant to be a shaking of the fist, where is God? We want to know, have you disappeared? Are you here with us? What's going on? And it's okay to verbalize those questions. It's okay to ask God, hey, where are you? Can you show up in this moment where we are at? And so it made me think about one of the classic texts where Jesus has left the building. He has taken himself elsewhere. Others gave him a bit of an escort, but he is gone. And there was a lot of difficulty in wrestling with Jesus being gone. Maybe a lot of difficulty that we don't often think about. And so I want to ask you today to get into the the hearts, to get into the minds of the earliest followers of Jesus. And think of these two that were walking along the way who are sad. They are depressed because Jesus' death, Jesus' going away, was not what they wanted. It wasn't at all what they intended. And they kind of don't know what else to do. For us, a travel day might be on a Monday after a holiday weekend. For them, their travel day was a Sunday. The Passover festivities were over. They'd eaten a lot of bread. They'd had a lot of wine. They'd had a lot of lamb. And now they were heading back because what they had hoped for didn't happen. What they had expected to take place didn't occur. And they're trying to make sense of it. Those shocking moments are hard for us. You've had them. I've had them tragic events that happen where you try to deal with that shock. We've done it in recent weeks with the Boulder shooting. How does that make sense? Or the shooting that we avoided in Atlanta. Why? Why would you take a gun to a supermarket? Or the trial that we're in the middle of right now for the officer that that killed George Floyd. Or even over the weekend, the Capitol Police officer I don't have to mention all of these. We know what it's like to take in this overwhelming news of death and try to make sense of it and just shake our heads. That's kind of the event. Whenever someone dies, it's just weird. That day after is strange. Now, I can tell you this because I've gone through it. Back in November, when I lost my dad, who was diagnosed on a Friday the 13th, In March of last year, with stage four cancer, the next day we canceled our in-present services here, and then in November he passed away. Well, he died in the middle of the night, and when you get up that next morning, which we watched the white van leave the driveway with dad, and I'm standing there with my mom and my sister, it's dawning on a new day, but it doesn't feel like a new day doesn't feel new at all. That's the heaviness of what these two disciples are feeling. And you've walked that road. Not able to make sense. Not understanding what had happened. You've probably been walking before where you have somebody join you. You're just walking along, and then a stranger kind of catches up to you, and maybe they interject themselves into your conversation. Well, that's what happened. And the stranger asks them, What are you talking about on the road? And they stop and they stand still and their faces are downcast. Are you the only stranger who doesn't know about the things that have been happening? It's kind of like saying, uh, What's COVID again? What? What? And so the stranger, Who we know is Jesus, not not Gerald, but but Jesus. The stranger that we as readers kind of know have this inside lead on says, What things? That's perfect. Jesus gives them space to talk about what's going on. And they are stunned and shocked that he doesn't know what's been going on. For them, This is not just some personal tragedy, some news that is their own, a loss that is personal, although it is all of those things. It's very much public. Everyone knew about this. Everyone was talking about this. And it was a time when their hope had hit a crossroads and wrecked, where what they wanted to happen didn't. They were shocked and they were stunned. And we've been there before where a relationship goes bust where the business deal that was to be the deal of all deals ends up in a business loss we know what it's like when our hope just doesn't pan out when the friend that we thought we knew now well, we didn't know the room that we thought we were going to enter into applause we get laughter into the space that we wanted to bring joy, we get complete apathy. We know what it's like to have our hope abandoned. And it's in this kind of a story where I have to ask the question, why did Jesus die? And why does he keep disappearing on us? Why does he go away? I mean, this this whole Sabbath, they had to sit on this news, trying to make sense. Trying to unravel what had happened, where an amazing figure like Jesus suddenly at the peak, at the pivot of his career, is suddenly gone. It's kind of like if Gonzaga and Baylor just say, you know, it's been a good year. Let's just, let's just call it that. We'll just walk away. What? The parade, all of this welcoming of Jesus, and yet now he's gone and he's dead. All their hope has been dashed and it's exploded. So the two began to explain as intimate followers of Jesus to this stranger, this only stranger that doesn't know what's going on, what has happened? Well, he was the one that we were hoping in. He was going to be the king. He was going to rescue us, bring peace. Everything was going to be great. And then it just wasn't because our religious leaders handed him over to a public execution. He was crucified, hung up on a a tree with his hands stretched to either side, suffocating to death. This was not the plan in Luke 24, 21. It wasn't what they wanted for the government to execute, for the religious leaders to hang up because he was supposed to be the king of peace and to bring rescue. Well, I don't have to bring up to you the irony of this one but I will. Because they make fun of him being the only stranger who doesn't know what's going on, and yet he very much knows what's going on. And he plays dumb. My grandma has always told me, don't tell everything you know. (laughs) Don't tell everything you know. And Jesus, in this case, definitely does not tell everything he knows. He says what things? Giving them a chance to tell the story, to unpack what's happening to interpret it right and as they describe they give all of these details and it's back and forth and back and forth until you hit kind of an oh by the way moreover some women told us that they went to the tomb and it was empty saw a vision of someone that they think maybe he's alive and then they continue on in the conversation it's just a, a but oh by the way that's thrown in there and it's at that point that jesus steps in to again be the teacher and he begins to instruct to them a conversation i wanted want to be in i want to go back in time to this to let jesus explain from moses and the prophets and from the psalms why the messiah must disappear why the messiah must suffer why the messiah must die And he unpacks all of this to them, and and they are really eating it up as this only stranger shows them the way. Now, again, I have to throw a little bookmark in here and just say that the humor of this story is equal to the sadness of this story. The way Luke relates this to us draws us in. And what strikes me about this is how an empty tomb doesn't equal faith. It doesn't make it instant. The women who heard and saw, Peter who heard and then went and saw, these disciples that share these stories about an empty tomb, it doesn't immediately lead to faith. I think that's really important for us to hear. As as insiders today who can look back at the story, those original insiders didn't understand They couldn't make sense of what had happened. They were outsiders. Outsiders to what Jesus intended with this message. And the message that we get is that Jesus is risen. And they give that message, but they give it rather casually. This is the singular message of Easter. If you don't hear it on Easter Sunday, then you haven't experienced Easter. And I want us to draw into that message to realize there's still questions of what it means for Jesus to disappear whenever we expect a certain kind of king, a leader of a different stripe, someone who would take us out of our darkness. And the lack of recognition that covers their eyes as they listen to Jesus is a lack of recognition that sometimes is over our eyes as well. It's been all through this outsider gospel. You might even remember in Jesus' second prediction that he was going to be handed over. They didn't understand what he had to say. The message was concealed from him, and they didn't perceive it in Luke 9.44. When he tells them a third time in Luke 18 that the Son of Man, he gives more description. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be flogged. He's going to be killed and resurrected. resurrected. You know what Luke says? They didn't understand. The message was hidden from them, and they could not grasp it. They couldn't make sense. When Jesus walks into Jerusalem after the temple parade, coming on a donkey, he weeps over Jerusalem. And he weeps because of the lack of recognition. They don't see and don't perceive the peace that is coming to them so I come to this and I still wonder, why? Does this make any sense for Jesus to walk away? And he provides them interpretation. He provides them meaning. But all that they've given to us as we sit here reading their words is kind of that physical bucket, answers to the, the reasons why someone died. Well, it was this and this and this. And Jesus takes it deeper because he gives them something new. And here's the new thing that I want to give you today about why Jesus died, about why he does all this popping in and out and disappearing. Jesus died so that he could stay with us. The reason that Jesus died is so that he could remain with us in a way that's more present than we ever could have him Any other way. Jesus is the only outsider who wants to live inside of us. And his desire to stay and to remain meant dying, it meant leaving. And it doesn't matter what we believe or disbelieve about the actual facts of how everything played out, the intent for Jesus dying was so that he could live forever inside and with us. And that is a powerful gift. Where God wants to connect with this world and be in this space with us, granting us the gift of the Holy Spirit to live in us and with us. We're God, we're Jesus, where the Holy Spirit can relate to us in a new way, a way that wouldn't happen if Jesus were still walking as a physical body on the face of the earth. God, through Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is able to be present in us to live our lives with us today. Luke closes in the 24th chapter, the 51st verse. It says that he withdrew from them. He disappeared in kind of a final way. And they worshipped him, and they praised God, And what they began to experience for the rest of their life and still to this day into eternity is being in the presence of God each day. Well, what about us? I mean, for us as Christians, that means we're not the kind of people that are sitting around twiddling our thumbs, looking at the sky. We're not a group of people that are just waiting for something to happen down the road. We're participating with God. Have you ever been helped by someone that you don't know who they are and you look back, you don't even know their names. You don't know what they're about. Have you ever been provided assistance and you have nowhere to send the thank you note because you don't know who did it? That's us. That's Christians. Those are people that are living with Jesus inside of them. Have you ever been that person who just did the deed that needed to be done, who stood in the gap when no one was looking, and began to provide what needed to happen at that moment, and your name is lost to history. You know they will never remember who you are, and probably not what you look like. What we believe is very important, but what God has done through Jesus is far more important, because God is going to act regardless of our belief or disbelief, God is bringing this world to the completion He intends to bring it to. In order to suffer and die, Jesus provides a way for us to follow Jesus. And Easter becomes the place where we can do our daily business of being in the presence of Jesus, being in this world full of Jesus. And it's why we can welcome people to the table. It's why we can come here to this space and say that all are welcome because Jesus is our host. He's the one who's brought us into this place. The risen Lord. Those who are far away, those who are near, are all brought near in Christ Jesus because Jesus is our peace. He has broken down the dividing wall between religious people and non-religious people. Jews and Gentiles, bringing them into the kingdom of God, opening up our eyes like he did for these two disciples. Even in that conversation, he was trying to go on the road, wasn't he? They're like, no, stay with us, stay with us. And as they gathered around the table, he took bread, he blessed it, he broke it and gave it to them. And it's at that moment in Luke that eyes truly become eyes. That the stones that cover our eyes disappear. And we see Jesus for who Jesus is. The Lord. The risen Lord. That's why we're a community that gathers around this table. And so I invite you to join with us take your cup it's a little different this year things are all a little different and peel open that top layer to just reveal the bread and take it in your hand this is the body of christ broken for you amen Now peel the next tab to open up the cup. This is the blood of Christ, the cup of the new covenant, poured out for the sins of the world. Amen. God, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this bread and this cup and for what it means to us. That we can gather as your people. That we can walk with you. That we can live in the new kingdom now. And so God, we pray that we will be a new kind of humanity now. More like Jesus every day. Full of the Spirit. Unconcerned about the ways that we Stumble because we're so focused on keeping up with you. Thanks for bending down and keeping us going. God, we thank you for Jesus and we offer this prayer in his name. Amen.